So that article came out on Saturday, February 23rd. And lo and behold, on Monday, February 25th, the SEC requested that Elon Musk be held in contempt of his settlement with the SEC. So that uh, that statement from the Tesla representative seemed to be blatantly wrong. <laughs> The Tesla Q podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended for and should not be used as financial, investment, or trading advice. Research associated with fiscal decisions should be conducted elsewhere. The host of the show possesses no license or credentials to warrant accepting advice based on what is heard on the Tesla Q podcast. Additionally, even though the host and guests may hold positions in companies discussed on the show, they don't have insights into the next time step of the simulation. Therefore, do not make any financial decisions based on the contents of this podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 21 of the Tesla Q podcast. This episode will be a recap of approximately February 14th through 25th on Tesla Q Twitter. As a quick reminder, if you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can go to the Square Cash app and search for Tesla Q podcast. That's TSLAQ podcast. It only takes debit cards. Or you can go to cash.me slash podcast from an internet browser and do the same thing. If you want merchandise, you can go to the Shorty Store. Uh, that's evacuationboy.com. They have mugs and t-shirts and such. I just got my mugs a few days ago, and I'm quite pleased with them. And with that, we'll go ahead and get into the, the episode. So our last non-interview episode was number 17, and that dropped on February 14th. It was recorded the night of the 13th, mostly. In that, near the end, we talked about the Buffalo Gigafactory 2 and the ongoing lack of the total job number there that Tesla was supposed to have. Also, the NHTSA data about self-driving and how that was somewhat suppressed for 641 days and not interpreted properly. Also mentioned that the Department of Defense had put an inquiry in into SpaceX and how they were able to get onto the, the launch list initially. There was also the General Motors rumors that I think it was Clean Technica or Electric or one of those one of those sites put out there saying that General Motors was looking at using Tesla as a platform for electric trucks, which the same day news came out that Rivian, which is a separate company, not not at all related to Tesla, got a, a funding round of about seven hundred million dollars, which was led by Amazon. Since that last episode, episode 17, we had episode 18, which was an interview with Scooter, uh, talking about the Shorty Air Force and the Shorty Ground Force. Episode 19 was an interview with Keith, where we talked about some possible safety issues with Tesla's vehicles. Primarily, that was the, the wompy wheel issue with the weak suspension part, the battery risk, battery fire risk, and autopilot as a possible risk. Those were, I guess, the three main topics we talked about. While I was editing that episode, the crash in Davie happened last Sunday, that was February 24th, while I was editing that interview with Keith, which was just surreal to see the images of the fire and then video of the fire. And then, of course, we later found out that the man who died in that crash was a, an anesthesiologist and a father of five. And uh, it's just a very, very sad situation. Also, initially, it was stated that the NHTSA was not going to be looking into that crash closely, but that changed as of I think yesterday news came out after yet another fatal crash involving a Tesla that the NHTSA actually will be in investigating both the Davy crash and the other crash, which was also in Florida and may or may not have included use of autopilot. Uh, that's to be determined. 
I believe I saw a response tweet from the NHTSA's Twitter account saying that that investigation will take approximately 12 to 24 months to complete. So it's going to be a while before any conclusion is made in those two investigations. Uh, Back to a podcast recap. Episode 20 was an interview with Ed McCabe, which was recorded last Monday night. And we talked a little bit about a few things. Uh, The news had just come out that day, the news that the SEC is requesting that Elon Musk be held in contempt of the settlement that was reached in the funding secured issue. So Ed and I talked about that a little bit in episode 20. Uh, For this episode, the time period that we're going to focus on is February 14th through the 25th. A ton has happened since the 25th, but I don't have time to, to cover it in this episode. So we'll go ahead and get started. Sorry, I don't have any good blackjack analogy with this being episode 21, but uh, did really like Tesla Chart's tweet that he brought back uh, showing Elon's Texas Hold'em hand. Elon has a great poker face, as we all know. So, scrolling back to about February 14th, actually, I'll, I'll go back a little bit further. On February 11th, a Monday morning, I believe, and that was the morning that Canaccord upgraded Tesla's price target to like 450 or something like that. That did caught that in conjunction with some of the pre-market apparent ma- manipulation of the stock price did cause the share price to rise quite a bit that morning, which helped a lot with the everything that's gone on since then. Otherwise, who knows where the share price would be. Additionally, uh, going back to the end of episode 17, did talk about how Antonio Gracias and Elon Musk had made contributions to the Rahm Emanuel campaign in Chicago, which I suspect was part of why the the O'Hare Airport Tunnel project was supposedly a thing. As of a few days ago, it sounds like that project may not be a thing anymore. I'd like to hear some more definitive news about that, but just a little something to, to keep in mind. Uh, February 14th, obviously, is Valentine's Day, and that's the day that Charlie Munger threw a little bit of shade at Elon Musk. Uh, somebody asked Charlie, or, or mentioned to Charlie, that one of his favorite one of their favorite quotes of Charlie's was that he prefers to have someone with an IQ of 130 who thinks they only have an IQ of 120 rather than someone who has an IQ of 150 and thinks that it's 170. And Charlie's Charlie's response to that was, you must be thinking of Elon Musk. And that, of course, got many laughs from Tesla Q Twitter. Same day, uh, Russ Mitchell had an article in the LA Times about the NHTSA autopilot conclusions and everything Uh, the main point of his article was the fact that it's a bit absurd that it took 641 days for that data to be released moving on to february 15th on that day there was a pretty small volume of tesla shares traded which i noted Uh, also that day there was a a twitter account rick's body paint which had a tweet about not getting paid by tesla and that very same day the twitter account got axed so it, it no longer exists, uh, which was interesting, I, I think. There was a Form 4 that came out that day, which included sales by Antonio Gracias on February 13th and 14th. I think he netted over $4 million with those sales. I think it might have been around $4.5 million. I don't remember exactly. You can go look at the Form 4s and take the difference between the strike price and the sale price and multiply that times the number of of shares for each of those transactions, and you can add it up yourself if you want to. February 16th, there was some IHS data that someone got their hands on, and that data basically confirmed the registration data that Tesla Charts has gotten from NMVTIS. 
So corroborating evidence is a good thing. February 17th and 18th, I was mostly working on the interview with Scooter, so I don't have anything major to share from those days. Although on February 18th, there was a Tesla crash and fire in Fremont. That vehicle was driven by a Tesla worker. I think it was a Model X, if I, but not 100%. Excuse me. I think it was a Model X, but I'm not 100% certain of that. Same day, there was a lot of talk about inventory. There was a thread on the Tesla Motor Club forums that included a listing of the number of vehicles in inventory at different Tesla locations. And then the very same night, there was an excellent thread by Jake on Twitter. Uh, Jake Langford 6 is his Twitter handle. And that detailed a website that you could go to, type in a VIN number, and find that it was in inventory. And based on that thread, there were approximately 11,000 Tesla vehicles in inventory as of when he pulled the data. And of course, that website came down like the very next day. Shocking. On February 19th, I think it was a Tuesday. I, I get my dates all mixed up with all the craziness with this stuff. I'm going to pull up a calendar to confirm. So February 19th. Yeah, it was a Tuesday. I, I'm not going crazy. So on February Tuesday, February 19th, Tesla's 10K came out, which was actually earlier than I expected it to be. I'm not going to detail anything with that. There's been a lot, of, a lot of people that have looked at it. I recommend going to Twitter if you want to read more about it. Same day. Later that evening is when Elon Musk had tweeted the picture of 4,000 vehicles at the Pier 80 out near San Francisco Harbor. Uh, he tweeted the picture, and then he tweeted, In 2011, Tesla produced zero vehicles. In 2019, Tesla will produce 500,000 vehicles. And then, it, and that tweet sat there for about four hours, and then he came back and said, Whoops, uh, what I meant to say was that by the end of 2019, will be producing at a rate of 500,000 vehicles per year. So he, he walked that back, and the very next morning, Dane Butswinkas, the general counsel, left. On February 20th, the S4 form came out for the Maxwell acquisition. Also on that day, Plainsight posted the, the deposition schedule for some Solar City related lawsuits. The first one was going to be Wednesday, February 27th, by, and that was Kimball Musk. Elon's deposition is scheduled for April 23rd, I think. It's a shame they couldn't get him on 420, but he might be busy that day. So, And as I said, that was the morning that Dane Batswinkas left Tesla, which should have been seen as a red flag to some people, but lots of people just totally ignored it, basically. The next day, which was Thursday, February 21st, Tesla used Cookie Monster to show their sentry mode by... They had some cookies in a, in a Tesla and, and a likeness of Cookie Monster came up to the vehicle and started banging on the car. Uh, don't think that they had permission in advance for that. And I'll get, get back to that in just a little bit. Same day, Consumer Reports no longer recommended the Model 3 due to reliability issues, which caused a pretty substantial share price drop. Also on that same day, Thursday, February 21st, there was an article on CNBC Pretty sure it was Laura Kalodney that wrote it that talked about the difficulty in getting refunds from Tesla by a wide variety of different consumers. On Friday, February 22nd, on Twitter, several people started pointing out that there was a Solar City $182 million loan, which had been due in December of 2018 and was moved to January of 2019 and then was extended yet again to April of 2019. I don't 
currently know the exact day that that's supposed to be paid. I think some people have pointed out that Tesla may default on that particular loan and it may not may not fall back on the greater Tesla. Although there was a tweet made by Elon Musk in 2016 or 17. I retweeted it around the same time frame because somebody else had posted it where he said that he would personally guarantee all solar city debt. So keep that in mind. Somebody smart out there in Twitter land might want to find the date that that's due and dig into it a little bit more. Also same day, February 22nd, uh, there were some mainstream news articles about the mortgages that Elon Musk had taken out on five different properties. Obviously I talked about that in a prior podcast episode, but it finally made it out into the mainstream news, but those those articles lacked the context of the the date that those occurred, which was December 18th, which was the very day after the Wall Street Journal article by Rob Copeland, which discussed that SpaceX resources had been used for the Boring Company, which led to December 18th, a SpaceX raise, which got 273 out of 500 million, which was obviously not 500 million that was sought and many many other things happened those two days I've, I've talked about them in prior episodes also same day february 22nd there was an article in TechCrunch that talked about solar city's lobbying efforts there was a what was portrayed to be an industry group but it turned out that it was basically only solar city so they were lobbying as this industry group trying to make it look like it wasn't them directly lobbying if you want to look into that some more there's a there's a TechCrunch article on february 22nd also same day, the Cookie Monster thing had been taken down from a few places due to a copyright claim. Uh, it still remained up in other spots. I think it may still remain up in a few tweets to this day. I, I haven't checked today, but as of a few days ago, it was still up. Also, same day, Vern Unsworth's lawyer, which is L. Linwood, submitted a response to the request from Elon Musk's lawyers to dismiss the defamation suit about the the pedo tweet and all the subsequent things that occurred. So that was Friday. Quite a few things happened that day. Saturday, February 23rd, there was a, a thread from Machine Planet which showed photograph aerial photographs of the the lot in Fremont where cars get loaded onto car carriers. And he showed a picture from 1129 back in 2018 which showed a lot of activity in that lot. And he also showed a photo from Tuesday, February 19th of 2019 which had a whole lot less activity so that was a good thread very very good easy to see visual of the levels of production in Fremont towards the end of well middle to end of quarter four 2018 versus the middle of the first quarter of 2019 also on Saturday February 23rd there was an article posted on Business Insider that discussed the tweet from February 19th and the walk back of the guidance by Elon Musk, in addition to the resignation of Dane Butswinkis the very next morning on the 20th of February. And the article mentions that the Tesla board basically is pretty bad at their job. And within the article, there was a Tesla representative who was quoted as saying that Butswinkis' departure in no way impacts Tesla's settlement with the SEC, adding that Tesla remains in full compliance with the settlement. So that article came out on Saturday, February 23rd, and lo and behold, on Monday, February 25th, the SEC requested that Elon Musk be held in contempt of his settlement with the SEC. So that, uh, that statement from the Tesla representative seemed to be blatantly wrong. <laughs> 
I don't know if the statement from the Tesla representative prompted the SEC to hold Elon in contempt of the settlement or if they were going to do that anyway. But either way, the statement from the Tesla representative turned out to be quite wrong, apparently. Moving on to February 24th, I already mentioned a little bit the Davy crash where Dr. Omar Awan was killed. There was a later thread which was posted... I forget exactly. It was either Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday of this past week where Tesla Charts posted his amateur accident reconstruction where it appeared that the driver's side front wheel may have fallen off, which may have been what caused the car to lose control and spin around and be facing the opposite direction uh, up against some palm trees. And that driver's side front wheel ended up ahead and to the left of the road across the street. Uh, so take a look at that accident reconstruction thread if you'd like. I forget exactly what day it was, but if you look at Tesla Charts timeline, you should be able to find it. But the fact that that wreck occurred while I was editing the episode with Keith was just surreal. I, it, I don't have words for it. It was, it was just surreal. Also that same day, Sunday, February 24th, there was a tweet from Mike Flores about a possible, possible further Gigafactory layoffs. And that Panasonic is possibly taking over Gigafactory 1. The The next day, there were some people that looked at the 10Ks for Tesla f- for 2017 and for 2018. And noted that the 2019 purchase obligations line increased a lot from 2017 to 2018. I believe it was about $2.8 or $2.9 billion for 2019 in the 2017 10K. And it was up to about $4.2 billion in the 2018 10K for purchase obligations in 2019. So that includes obligations to Panasonic and to other suppliers, but the largest chunk is likely Panasonic. And on February 25th, that Monday, there were some confidential treatment orders that were posted on Tesla's investor relations page. And uh, someone did a little bit of research. I think it was Ed McCabe, actually, who was the, the guest on episode 20. And he found which exhibit numbers they were in the 10K and determined that at least two or three of those confidential things are related to Tesla's agreements with Panasonic. So that takes us up to about the middle of the day on Monday, February 25th. And if you're paying close attention to this story, you know that later that evening was when the SEC request to find Elon Musk in contempt of the their settlement came out. Then late that evening, late that Tuesday evening, Elon Musk announced on Twitter that There would be Tesla news coming on Thursday at 2 p.m. California time. And then, of course, that news turned out to be that the $35,000 Model 3 is now available, which Tesla bulls think is just amazing. They think there's no way that Tesla would put this car out there if they weren't able to sell it profitably. But I think that is an incorrect take on the news. I think it's very possible that they will be simply software limiting the range on the battery for some of the vehicles that they've already produced that are in inventory, which as we noted before, was about 11,000 vehicles as of mid-February. Additionally, they're closing their stores, laying off some some of their sales force. Also seen reports that they're that rather than laying some of the people off, they're just reducing their pay, eliminating commissions for their sales force, basically trying to force or actions that will basically forced the people to quit before being laid off. Uh, Also, they've had huge, huge price reductions of their Model S and Model X. Uh, One particular model in Australia had been in the $240,000 
Australian dollar range, and it's now available for about 171,000 Australian dollars. So that's a massive, massive price cut. I really don't see how they're going to have positive margin on almost any of their vehicles after this price cut, but we'll see. After recording this, the majority of this episode on Sunday, March 3rd, 2019, Elon Musk decided that he would announce that the Model Y will be revealed on March the 14th. So I've yet to really dive into this piece of news. It seems like this might be a very last-ditch effort after the last-ditch effort of Thursday, which was February 28th, when they announced the $35,000 Model 3. But I guess we'll find out. As far as I know, Elon is still in Florida for the the launch of the Crude Dragon capsule that happened late on Friday night, Saturday morning. So he's not actually been in LA at the Tesla Design Studio where the reveal is supposed to happen. So I guess we'll see if it's a legitimate reveal or if Elon is even still in place as the CEO when the reveal occurs. So here's the ending of the episode. I have yet to have a chance to listen to the Montana Skeptic interview that dropped yesterday on the Quote the Raven podcast, but I do hope to do that soon. He probably covered a lot of this more late-breaking news in an in great detail already. I may or may not get around to covering late in the day, February 25th and following in a wrap-up episode, but I do hope to continue putting together good episodes. So if you want to contribute, go to the Square Cash app or cash.me slash Podcast. And with that, we will wrap up this episode number 21 of the Tesla Q Podcast. Bye-bye.